Welcome to episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories in them. And we are talking about the rom-com genre this month. It's... I feel like we, we, we ended up, like, with this genre, Thomas, we talked about how what's the difference between a rom-com and what you said a romantic comedy. It caused a big debate in my my group this past weekend when I brought this up. They go, what do you mean there's a difference? <laughs> um, and it became this whole, we, we talked about this Sleepless in Seattle, and you've got mail, and then I brought up when Harry met Sally, and someone argued that wasn't a rom-com by our definition. I don't, I don't know. What do you think on that? Um... You yeah, weren't I mean, here think, for the argument, but I'm just, what yeah, do you think? I mean, you know, it's all it's all fluid. Like I, I, I would say, <laughs> that that that's kind of that's kind of why we're here is to try and pinpoint these differences. But yeah, um, but yeah I, th- I think when when we're talking about, I, I think it all comes down to tropes and yeah. like acknowledging the the tropes that are in this genre. And I think there are a certain set of tropes that define a a type of of romantic comedy that leans a little bit more into the screwball energy like we were saying um and and is is a little bit more of kind of like opposites attract and and you have you know the meet cute and the and the big speech at the end and all all these kind of tropes and i think a a rom-com is not afraid to fall into any of those kinds and 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 the the funny best friends the comic relief best friends and all this kind of stuff and um and a, a rom-com quote-unquote doesn't tries to keep things kind of very light and yeah. so i think that's when i think of like sleepless in seattle i'm like oh like dead wife that's <laughs> super super light and happy um but but whereas you know like we were saying last week with with uh you've got mail it's we're talking about like the bankruptcy of of an entire uh you yeah. know of, of 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 independent uh business owners yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. it's never it's it's all that's all a joke that's all you know yeah you, you you have kind of your low moment like when she's closing it but pretty much up till close and after close there's not it's not as depressing as it could be um yeah i think with a lot of these it it's almost like part of the rom-com genre it are the tropes it's the like like you said, it's the funny best friend, the kind of like straight shooter type best friend. Uh, and both both people usually have them. Both the people, they're your lead characters. I mean, an example, um, this popped in my head because that 90s show just came on. But I think of like no strings attached. Like remember how they like, like it's like they almost like each character has like a group of best friends basically mm-hmm. reacting to the other thing. And another thing too with, rom, with rom-com specifically and I guess romantic comedies can have too, but rom-coms have to have some sort of almost like outlandish hook. If that not outlandish, but yeah, some and sort that's, of hook. that's what kind of some feels like of a hook. little bit more, a little bit more screwball of it all yeah. as well. You know, it's, 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 it's something kind of like, kind of like, uh, um, I think of how to lose a guy in 10 days where it's like, he's yeah. trying to make her fall in love with her in 10 days and she's trying to make him break up with yeah her and that's days. you know that's that's more like the lady eve or philadelphia yeah. story where there's this this kind of crazy setup to get everybody together and to have all these kind of lies and yeah and double crossing and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah and then, like i said the tropes again like it's the it could be the the douchey like boyfriend or whatever like and say wedding singer which we're talking about later this month or it could be bill pullman or not bill pullman, it could be greg kinnear and you've got mail 
mm-hmm. where it's like he's just kind of a odd duck is and kind they're of the just thing. like maybe not quite they're not a maybe, perfect match yeah it's just like it's that like that's the thing i think sometimes in a lot of movies it's like oh when a breakup happens it has to be some big like they had an affair or they did this or that but sometimes it's like it's the scene you've got mail and they're just like oh yeah we just don't we have reached the end of our run here we really just aren't compatible for this next step mm-hmm. whatever it might that may be if it's marriage or if it's spending the rest of your life whatever we're not there and i've got i've got a great example for you here we go this uh-huh. is we'll, we'll talk to kind of all tours although one's a little less respected these days but when when romantic comedy versus rom-com in in the modern era i would say that punch drunk love is a great romantic comedy yeah i would say part of the reason there's been kind of this debate after silver linings playbook got all this hype because it is a rom-com that is kind of passing itself off as a drama more of a prestige drama but but ultimately follows a lot of kind of basic rom-com story structure yeah i mean with that it's like you have the best friend with chris tucker for bradley cooper or whatever and you have that kind of outlandish well, the dance contest, the dance contest. I, don't, yes. I don't dance i'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown i don't dance i mean yeah the whole the whole the whole pr- the plot is just like him being part of jennifer lawrence's dance contest that's the mm-hmm. whole thing and and him trying to get his wife back and that that brings in the aspect of which i think we'll talk about today um is the comedy of remarriage basically mm. where it's the Philadelphia story or, um, or it's crazy, stupid love where it's like, it's characters who have fallen out of love and who are trying to fall back in love with silver Lang's playbook. Brad Cooper is someone who is still hung up on that person and trying to get them to fall back in love, but it's just not possible. The interesting part of that though, is that in silver Lang's is that, there is that possibility because she shows back up at the dance contest to see him. Mm-hmm. And by that point, he realized he's fallen in love with Jeff Lawrence. Sorry for the spoilers on Silver Lang's playbook. <laughs> um, that's the ending. Um, but yeah, it's that's part of the, the kind of remarriage of the kind of the disgruntled uh, uh, spouses who have broken up and then now want to get back together. I think another example from screwball era is like, I think the awful truth is that way. Um, mm-hmm. And Philadelphia story. Philadelphia story. Yes, of course. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, you have these kind of running themes and the, and the running kind of character tropes or archetypes. And I think with today's movie, you will see a lot of those tropes yeah. here mm-hmm. big time. Um, so, so Thomas, we're talking about, crazy stupid love so take it away tell us who who's in this who who created this who directed it? all that good stuff yeah so crazy stupid love it's 2011 film yeah uh <laughs> with steve carell julianne moore uh it's it's it here we'll do the we'll do the setup it, it explores interconnected love stories yeah. including steve carell and julianne moore who are a couple that are going through a divorce uh, while Ryan Gosling plays Steve Carell's playboy wingman, who is also in the process of falling in love with Emma Stone. Yeah. And then there's some other cast members. We got we got Marissa Tomei in there. We got yeah, John Kev- Carroll Lynch Kev- in there. Kevin Bacon. We got Kevin Bacon in yeah. there. Yeah, it's 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 a great ensemble cast. Joey King, a young Joey King. Very young Joey <laughs> King, yeah. Um, written by Dan Fogelman, who mm-hmm. you might know, the, the listeners might know as the creator and executive producer of This Is Us. Yep. 
and uh, directed by a directing team, Glenn Ficarra and John Requa. Yeah, I had not heard of them <laughs> when I was because I was like, oh, who did this? And I was like, I don't know these these this duo. Um, mm -hmm. but, but they did, um, uh, they later did focus with Will Smith yeah. and, uh, uh, Marta Robbie. They had done, I love you, Philip Morris before this movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, which I'm, they, I'm, so I'm they, they were writers. Yeah. Uh -huh. They were writers that were around for a while. And then I love you, Philip Morris. They kind of wrote and directed yeah. and, and broke out. They were, they were writers. They started at Nickelodeon. They were writers for Nickelodeon. Wow. They did. They used to write for angry beavers okay uh and then they did cats and dogs you remember that movie i do i do they wrote cats and dogs saw that and in then, theaters uh, with jeff goldblum oh, yeah with jeff goldblum but yeah i love you philip morris was their their directorial debut and that was just a year before just, this one it was just a very different movie compared to <laughs> nickelodeon shows and cats and dogs yes, uh, i also they, they wrote two billy bob thornton movies with bad santa bad santa and yep. bad news bears uh remake which was i wonder if link later did a no he didn't do a pass on it okay so yeah they they wrote uh those two films um yeah i i was surprised that that they um uh i hadn't really heard much of them uh they also recently did a pass or i guess wrote on jungle cruise um i heard there are a lot of passes on jungle cruise <laughs> well only three only three credited writers um mm -hmm. but uh but yeah this is i'm sorry jumping ahead go ahead go ahead continue uh, well um, i was just gonna ask what's your what's your background with with this movie so, so my background crazy stupid love it is one of those movies uh appeared in my life when i went to a video store in Tuscaloosa when I was in college. And this was one I definitely rented from that video store that I eventually worked at for a brief time. And this is one where it's interesting how this movie has continued to have somewhat of a life post 2011, because when I mentioned the movies we're discussing this month, the people, with almost without fail everyone's like oh i like crazy stupid love they mm -hmm. don't say anything about when harry met sally don't say anything <laughs> about wedding singer don't say anything about Notting hill it's like oh it's like crazy stupid loves with movies like you remember seeing and enjoying but besides a few kind of big key moments i don't know if people remember much of it does that make sense it's like mm -hmm. you have really amazing key moments in this movie but there's certain moments where oh i forgot this happened or i forgot <laughs> this character's in here um and it's like it's like we'll talk about it as we go, but like you almost probably completely forget about the babysitter storyline because mm. Gosling, Carell, and Moore and Stone are all so fantastic in this movie. Um, yeah, it's it's you want to talk about kind of time capsules and and kind of a time capsule of this genre of this era. Crazy Stupid Love feels very much 2011, mm. like the style of it, the references that they make in the movie um are very much of the air so i've i've revisited a few times and i still think they're and we'll spoil this movie a little bit because i think some of the twists they have in this movie are done brilliantly especially when you first see it i wonder yeah. how what how, how much do you lose anything once you know the twist coming but i distinctly remember the two big twists in this movie when i first watching watching it being like floored by it Mm -hmm. and you're like oh no and it's the perfect kind of comedy element of like an example is the marissa tomei thing it's like uh 
you get to the end of a scene how do you advance the scene someone walks through a door and in mm. both these two in both the two scenes actually it's the gosling walks the door with emma stone and then marissa may walks the door for the pantage conference and that's mm -hmm. when everything changed and both times it's happening when Corell and Moore are about to get back together in yeah. some way. Mm -hmm. Someone walks through a door, changes it all. Mm -hmm. So it's a good, a good kind of comedy tool is that if you come to the end of the scene and you don't know where to go, have someone walk in a door that changes the yeah. whole dynamic. But what's your history with crazy, stupid love, Thomas? That's my history. And uh, thoughts I, about I it. saw it in theaters. Oh, wow. I saw it in theaters like opening weekend. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being yeah like so i remember being like doubled over in my seat laughing at, mm -hmm. at kind of the big the big reveal which we you yeah know, maybe won't do right at the top of the episode but if you get much further without seeing this one why 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 are you why are you listening yeah. to this i don't know <laughs> um but yeah it's, i think it's it's just so well done and and I, yeah it's hard to go back and put yourself in a mindset mm -hmm. now watching this movie where you could have been so surprised by it but it really does take you just like just 100 percent blindsides you yeah when you're when you're watching this for the first time but but i also remember you know the whole press tour for this thing and we'll talk about this a lot this episode is like the whole press tour for this movie is was how much chemistry emma stone and ryan gosling had like they had mm -hmm. them out on press together they yeah. had them doing like the dirty dancing lift on the today show <laughs> and and it's wild to rewind and this this is one that you know this is one of those movies i think particularly because the like big final comedic scene is so good mm -hmm. that it's one of those movies that if i'm flipping channels and it's on tv i'm gonna watch until at least the marissa tomei scene but yeah. probably until the big like mini golf <laughs> scene yeah um but even now re-watching it for this episode i was just like oh my gosh emma stone and ryan gosling are really only in like three major scenes together i was in this thinking movie. the same thing I, I, well, I, I wrote down at like this 50 like almost the 50 hour mark ago emma stone is really damn played in this first half of this yeah, film her, her, her she's story barely in it even yes her story doesn't really start until like cal's midpoint we yeah. to, we'll talk about a little bit more in uh, like favorite scenes, but it, yeah, it's like his lowest point is when, which I think is kind of nice the way that they balance it because it's like raining for both, you know, it's raining that night and it's yes. like the rain's really depressing for him, but it's really romantic for the two of them. It must um, be like, it must be like late January in LA if it's raining <laughs> that much. Cause that's the only time it rains that much. But, but yeah, so it's, it's just one that's always stuck with me. And I think, I do think of it as kind of being, the beginning of the rebirth of the rom-com where it, it it was such a disrespected genre at this point that they kind of almost didn't we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit about how they marketed the movie like they were they were really against they were they, they were like oh it's a rom-com but like should we market it as like an apatow kind of bro movie yeah because it's they Steve like, Carell well, it's post yeah they were like that's origin. not what it is but they like everyone was kind of scared when they were making this mm. to just openly be a rom-com because it was such a kind of disrespected genre at this point and I do think that this was one of the ones that kind of paved the way for people it still took probably you know another another seven or eight years because I, I really think the next one that I think of is set it up when people were like you know what I like a good charming rom-com <laughs> um yeah they, they were they were present but there was something i think streaming really came in it was like and also i think rom-coms too not to to throw this under the bus but 
with the rise of like Hallmark movies at Christmas and mm-hmm. and those those kind of cable those cheap like quickly mm-hmm. done cable movies it, people always liked it but it's just it's it's a hard balance it's a really hard yep. balance and streaming kind of came in and showed you hey there's still a I think there's still a, there, I, I think there's always still an audience for a lot of things the hard part nowadays in this current world the hard it's just trying to find out where do you market it for people that yeah. want to see that see that thing that's how, mm. that's the hard part yeah so to dive into this one um mm-hmm. so dan fogelman we know him now as a tv guru mm-hmm. one of the most successful tv shows of of this era pat, pat, of tv yeah, yeah. Well, i mean the, when when this is us that that first two seasons two three seasons of this is us was massive mm-hmm. massive but back before this, he was primarily known as a children's writer, children's film writer. He had a pretty, pretty hot run, late two thousands. Oh, wow. Cars, Fred yeah. Claus, Bolt, and Tangled. Yeah, like maybe Fred Claus. I kind of like Fred Claus. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Fred Claus I, is, is you, fine. Here's the thing: you're not the first person to contact me this past like holiday saying, you know what? I kind of like Fred Claus, and I was yeah. like, really? It's Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti have solid chemistry. Like, you know, I'm not gonna deny it um i didn't watch it i I saw i saw that in theaters as well (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that that was some christmas movies you came they came out at christmas and then they would not come out on dvd till a year later next year till a year later dude that's how i felt when i saw four christmases in theaters and i was like i have to wait a whole whole 365 (laughs) days to see this movie again um but yeah, so I mean, that's that's that was his reputation. He had he had had a couple of failed TV pilots and one uh, TV series that ran for like a season on the CW. But mm-hmm. he was primarily known as a as a children's uh, film writer. But he was setting his sights on more adult content, and he started writing a script based on his experiences dating in Los Angeles in his thirties. Mm-hmm. When he started on the script, he said he intended for it to be a Steve Carell vehicle. Uh, it's like 2009 and Steve Carell's really kind of starting to break out. He's uh-huh. done, uh, Evan almighty in like 2007, which was a massive flop, but you know, that was supposed to be his first kind of big family starring Dude, role yes, yeah. outside of 40 year old virgin. Uh, and then he's got in 2008, he's got Dan in real life, which I feel like underrated, yeah, kind of confused people. It was kind of marketed yeah. as a rom com, and then it's was like not, a pretty downer. It's it's a, it's, dramedy. it's it's a dramedy. Yeah, it's a dramedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the year after that, he had Get Smart. Mm-hmm. And then uh, two thousand nine, I think, was Date Night or two thousand ten. Two thousand ten, Date Night, Despicable yeah. Me, Despicable Me, Me, two thousand ten, Dinner for Schmucks, two thousand ten. Well, wow. I saw a lot of Steve Carell movies in theaters this time because yeah. we I saw all, we were all rooting for him. I saw Get Smart in theaters. I, I saw did too. I saw Date Night in theaters. I saw I Dinner, did too. Dinner for Schmucks in theaters. I, I think I did too. <laughs> we were riding the Steve Carell train at this point. Yep. Well, I was a huge Get Smart uh, TV fan, so I was there opening night for that Date Night. I think came out in that era when all my high school friends and I would just go see like every movie that came out. Same, same. Um, and then I, re- I distinctly remember my dad and I just being really bored and going to see dinner for schmucks. Cause yeah. it was like the only thing. 
I know. I remember it opens with Nowhere Man, I think, by uh, the Beatles or whatever. I mean, it's like a remake of a French film, too. No, Get Smart, mm-hmm. brief story. Well, I, saw, I saw Get Smart one and a half times in theaters because the first time I saw it in theaters, it was the same day. We went, and 45 minutes in, the entire power in the theater goes out because mm. someone hit a transformer outside, and the entire theater went out. Uh, so we had to leave. Uh, we got like free tickets and like a bunch of kind of discount stuff to come back. And we came back later that night and saw the rest of it. So I saw it one and a half times in the same day. So that's my get smart story. But yeah, Steve Carell riding high, like everyone. And with date night too, that was a big deal because you had Tina Fey with 30 rock and Steve Carell Mm -hmm. with office where it was like, we're putting the two NBC headliners in a movie together. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It was fine. It was fine. I, I, it, came, it, it runs on cable a lot still. Like it's, it's on like a lot of like. Uh, Mila like, Kunis, James Franco, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Mark Wahlberg Common, yes, Common, um, uh, that uh, Taraji P Henson, yeah, Jimmy Simpson. I was like, Jimmy Simpson mm-hmm. from Westworld is in it. Um, you JB Smooth, quick, Mark Ruffalo. Wow, what a. Bill I don't remember Bur- Mark Ruffalo Bill Bur- whatsoever. I don't remember, look at the, huh, I'm gonna read the rest of this cast. So so Leighton Meester um william william fickner oh yeah uh, billy fickner uh uh kristen wig mark ruffalo james franco kunis bill burr nick kroll olivia munn gal gadot john bernthal will i am in ray liotta that is the cast of that movie (laughs) yeah that's an insane cast uh anyway enough on that back to what we're talking about the crazy stupid love yeah so he, he wrote this script intended it to be steve carell bounces around a little bit after he's done with it uh it's bouncing around it's called either some people had a copy called the unproduced dan fogelman script or some people had one called untitled marital crisis comedy but regardless it ends up on the blacklist for 2010 okay and after it hits the blacklist you know somebody goes to steve carell and they're like hey there's this movie on the blacklist and apparently it was written for you so mm-hmm. he checks it out he gets involved he's he's wants to be in it and he wants to produce it so it's actually the first title that he produced he set up a production company called carousel pictures to produce okay so once he's attached they go to warner brothers warner brothers pays about 2.5 million to get the project with steve carell attached and then warner brothers brings in glenn Vicara and john requa who were like fresh off of i love you philip morris mm-hmm so to get into production of it um well let's do new scenes back that up oh. cut that let's do favorite scenes okay. yeah favorite i don't want to jump ahead it's okay no no no. it's 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 with, with some of these movies like of this nature it's like it's probably hard to find yeah the making of that i mean yeah, it I'm, just happened it just blacklist. happened blacklist and blacklist at this point i feel like I'm not saying blacklist is not big. It's still big nowadays. It's still a massive thing in this industry. And, and for those who don't know what blacklist is to, to backtrack, the blacklist is basically a annual list that is, that is announced of like the best unproduced scripts. Um, and a lot of times the people who are judges are film producers or creative executives. And they're basically asked, what is the best unproduced script you've read this year or whatever and so the more vote if for a for a young writer or just a writer that has a script that hasn't been hasn't been bought or optioned um it's a good kind of launching pad 
for you. So a lot of films that get on the blacklist get made. And sometimes it could take years for it to get made. It's like I'm, I'm looking at, I just looked at the, the kind of list of like the first year of the blacklist. Let me see. Um, the first year of the blacklist. Um, uh, okay. So out, out of, yeah. First year of the blacklist, there was a 286 screenplays and I think 120 are put into production. So out, out of the blacklist since 2004, 440 movies have been made um, that appeared on the block or were made after they appeared on the blacklist. Um, but you can have movies like Little Miss Sunshine was on there. Um, uh, Blades of Glory was on there with Will <laughs> Ferrell and uh, uh, John Heater. Blood Diamond, The Bucket List with Jack Nicholson, Charlie Wilson's War, Dan Real Life. Man, he had a Dan Real Life also on there. But just a kind of a variety of movies. And sometimes, I'm looking at one right now, um, it, it could take 15 years for it to be turned into a movie or whatever. Or t- sometimes mm-hmm. they get turned into a TV show. But it's a good launching pad for any writer. You kind of want to be, you want to get on there, especially if you're younger, because it, it gets you a good kind of foothold in the industry. It's, it gets you a lot of meetings, too. At the end of the day, it's like, oh, what else do you have that we could we could read? Um, right. But this guy on the blacklist and Steve Carell seeing it, it's a it's a good deal for it, it's for Dan Fogelman who's wanting to move over from kids TV to something more adult. That's a good kind of place to be, basically. Yeah. But favorite scenes you say? Yes. Um, all right. So, I mean, from the beginning, I mean, just just the kind of because it's not just one player scene with this, but just the initial breakdown of Steve Carell and Julianne Moore's marriage, I think is done very well. It's the first scene when they're at when they're at dinner together and it's like, all right, let's say what we want on three. One, two, three, divorce. He's like mm-hmm. salmon or whatever. And it's just like, oh, and and everyone hears it. And then and then he he pulls the ladybird moment in the car when he's like, if you keep talking, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave the car. Yeah, we we see Greta Gerwig. Yeah. And then he just hops out of the car. Um, and then, and then it, again, it sets the tone when they come back in the house of when, when he just openly says like, um, we're, we're getting a divorce. Uh, cause mm-hmm. my, my, my wife, uh, slept with, uh, David Linhagen, David Linhagen. And then the son's there he goes, Oh, I did not see you there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just kind of a comedy of manners. I guess it's the kind of like reveal reveals of things, reveals of characters coming in and out. Um, and and I I kind of love the scene when he's just trying to leave with the with the uh, moving truck and she's just like, I'm having a midlife crisis. crisis. Can women have those? Only and movies is always men. She goes, I mean, I told you I, I did this, but I really just went to see the Twilight movie last week and it was it was so bad. It's such a great line delivery from Julianne Moore. Oh my god, she's so good in this movie. But the way she's like, it was so crying bad. when she says it. <laughs> like she's in pain because of that movie (laughs) but like such a 2011 like reference of like Mm -hmm. i just and also to put in because i haven't this is i guess an outing on here on the podcast i've never seen the twilight movies Mm. so but what i find fascinating is how twilight's kind of reverted back around now like mm-hmm. people are now sometimes they're watching it now more ironically some people love it still unironically is the thing it's like I think the majority of people are in support now of Catherine hardwick but not necessarily any the 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 
movies that followed it up it's from my understanding so oh, it's so okay to it's, it's just the first one is what you're saying yeah, it's okay, okay. To, yeah yeah a lot of support for Catherine hardwick and 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 the first one and then specifically her being replaced by a male uh, male director afterwards yeah which was happening a lot at this period of time 50 shades of gray the same exact thing uh which is a fan fiction of twilights there you go (laughs) um but yeah no i i love the whole i love that kind of all that stuff of of them kind of falling apart and him it's the and he's like, "Hey, take care of the grass. Make sure you fertilize." She goes, "I saw the Twilight movie." And it's like, it's like they're on two. Di- they're two different wavelengths. Mm-hmm. Like he, he is still thinking about how to keep the family together in some way, and she's kind of trying to find herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love that kind of whole just a good opening sequence for it all. Um, so and what? So what's the scene for you? Uh, I think probably the two of them meeting the uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell. I, it, it's just it's got to be said about this movie. Fantastic casting, the chemistry, yeah. just all around. Yeah, Julianne Moore and Steve Carell is fantastic. Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell, fantastic. fantastic. And then obviously Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone is just like electric. Yeah, but um, the the two of them are just immediately so good together. You get that. Uh, you know, you get that little like, oh, why would you want to help me? And he's like, oh, let's just say you remind me of somebody that yeah, we, yeah. we find out later is, is his own dad. His but, own dad. Um, but then that kind of leads directly into the Century City Westfield yeah. kind of training montage, yeah. which is which is great. Glorious. Just, I, yeah. I mean, when they first meet, I love it. He's like, he's like, hey, come here. And he sits down. And he's just like. And he, and he starts. Steve Carell says to me, he's like, you know, who my wife had an affair with. He's like, David Lindhagen. How'd you know? He was, or he's like, how, how do you, how do you think I know that? Is is he sleeping with your wife too? No, because you've been talking about it for two nights, and we can't we can't stand it hearing you talk about this for two nights. But well, you, you know, it's funny you talk about this being like a capturing 2011 culture. There's a line in that scene when Steve Carell's at the bar talking to the bartender, and he says, like, you know, what's a line no one, uh, what's a word no one ever uses anymore? Cuckold. <laughs> I have been cuckolded, and I'm like, man. I wish I'd go back to a time when cuckold was a word when that no, no one, one ever used, used anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, and now it's that's a big big part of the mainstream there. Um, yeah, but no, the Westfield Mall sequence is just I think perfect. Like, I, but I love the like it's the it's the shot when he's when it's when when it's showing Gosling at the Westfield Mall in Century City, and it's that slow push in slow mo push in of him eating Sbarro pizza. Mm-hmm. And like, there's that like world music playing, like like Ryan Gosling's in a Peter Weir movie. Like mm-hmm. it's just so odd. And the yeah, he's like this. He's like this mystical shaman figure yes. that is that has come to Steve Carell. Because I mean, we really don't get any background on Jacob until much later. Yeah, until 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 uh, uh, Hannah past the midpoint. Basically. Yeah, past the yeah. midpoint when Hannah uh, when they kind of connect. No, I love. It's he's Sparrow. No, um, and. We've got. I had a question. This is just a, a tangent question, but if if Gosling's if Jacob was around today, and he hadn't met Hannah yet, how big of an Andrew Tate fantasy? Well, that's all right. Here, I I had a very similar question between like between the whole like use of the word cuckold uh, in this movie multiple times, and which we all know has become like a like a 
right wing alpha male thing mm-hmm. um and then yeah there's one specific line jacob says it's like you failed your wife by like losing your own identity as a yeah. man and i'm like yeah. that is such a like alpha male thing so my yeah. question is like i'm not deep enough in alpha male culture <laughs> to understand that, like are they obsessed with this movie and i don't know do none man. Of them, i was gonna say like do none of them realize that the point of this movie is that jacob was wrong but i they've also misread american psycho for decades now so i, so I wouldn't knows? put it past them to also misread crazy stupid love because i was like when i was watching it i go i thought to myself i was like man why would a guy like this just be like downing sabaro pizza you think he'd be a little more like healthier but then i go oh yeah but andrew take a caught for holding up a russian pizza box so there's not yeah. much, there's <laughs> i mean it's it is what it is um yeah th- 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 there's sequences in that where he's just like you lost your identity as a man like like we are men or like men won we should be we should tell we should make women know that or whatever mm-hmm. like it's all these different things kind of the statements that are made and just ca- kind of his pickup artist mentality um of it all um and yeah it's it's i was like wow this very much feels like this um but yeah i and then kind of after that after he kind of the whole shopping spree like he said is great um and then when they start doing the, the kind of montages of of steve carell watching gosling as he's picking up women mm-hmm. and he actually uses some of carell's line of like you're good you're the perfect mix of sexy and cute and carell's like face pops up like from like the the opening of the booth next to him or whatever mm-hmm. um it's great um going going back real quick though yeah, the yeah. first the first time that emma stone and ron gosling meet is yeah um, early on yeah yeah is um, just immediately so good. He's got. They've got that great rapport. Objection! Where, Objection! Yeah. yeah. May the, I approach the, the bench? I, I love the line where she's like, "It's time to go home," and he's like, "You're right. My car, your car. Should I, you've been drinking? I should drive." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's it's just perfect. It's like corny lines that are just like so coming out of Gosling's mouth. They work so mm-hmm. well. <laughs> Objection! May I approach the bench? Is that how it works? Is that how it works? <laughs> um. No, yeah, just right off the bat. And then we never see her again for 50 minutes, it feels like. Yeah. Except when she's with Josh Groban, which I was Josh just like, Groban. I wrote down, I was like, debut. I was like, is that Feature Josh Groban? Yeah. <laughs> I Good love it. Him. Yeah. Um, and then let's bring up kind of the sequence of the Marissa Tomei stuff when, when yes. Steve Carell meets Marissa Tomei. So I love the beginning when, when Gosling's like, you see that woman over there? Like, you're going to pick her up. That girl goes, no, no, I'm picking up that person. You're picking up the person behind mm-hmm behind behind her the one that's the one that's that looks ready to settle yeah the one that looks ready to settle he's like well thank you and he's like i'm not ready for it and he's just like you seen karate kid mr miyagi with a wax on wax off <laughs> and then and then Corel just starts going goes, oh my god you miyagi'd me mm-hmm. uh it's just kind of perfect of how he can do it all and then <laughs> it's just how he goes over there to be that be ryan gosling with marissa tomei and just everything fails immediately Mis- God, Mi- immediately Corel's line delivery on that like when the cocktail waitress comes over he's like go go away go yeah. away <laughs> we're wanting absolutely nothing from you or whatever he <laughs> says <laughs> um god yeah and we'll bring that up later because i love i love how that, that comes back in the later scene when he's just like mm-hmm. been eight years sober or whatever um my question was do you think marissa tomei was cast because of her her performance in what women want thomas because oh, there's yeah. some similarities I, I mean I, I she is she is so good in in this scene but especially yeah. in the parent teacher conference yes. scene it is so funny yeah. she's 
the best. Do you want to skip to that scene? Because I'll skip to that scene. Like, because this is good and it's yeah. fun, and I love how it turns. Like, basically, it turns on like he ends up being honest to her as the thing, and that's what mm-hmm. gets him the confidence to to move to to, to take oh her back. Or whatever. It's it's awful. <laughs> the line when he's like you know him being honest with her like turns around i think and you might have aids like, I'm, I'm scared you might have aids and it just like freezes and he's like only a little bit and she's like okay All right, only a little bit she still moved okay i'm not scared okay great and the music starts back up when they start making out again uh, um but yeah it, yeah the pta is the two again chemistry like yeah. crazy julianne moore and steve carell it's you you said earlier it's like someone has to keep kind of jumping into these scenes between yeah. the two of them because their chemistry is so good it's like somebody just has yeah. to keep coming in and like pulling R- them R- apart reminding them of what they've done yeah because they just kind of thing. naturally every time they're, yeah. they're together they just kind of naturally like fall into step with each other but yeah when that when i first watched that reveal of when Miss tomei walks i was like oh shit <laughs> And it's so obvious now, you know, watching it, you're like yeah, when they have that scene where where he's Robbie stands up in class and, and yeah, yeah. It's, that's so obviously Marissa Tomei's voice, voice. But the first but they time I'm watching it, it yeah. yeah, they don't show it, and and, and I was like, they do. It, if you don't know she's in it, it's a good job of hiding it because mm-hmm. it, they purposely never show her face during that sequence. You just hear her voice. Um, but yeah, and so you go into that scene when she comes out, and just the kind of like he's like, oh, we met last year at the parent teacher conference thing right and she's like oh really and he's like yeah yeah yeah." and then but i love the ending line when when she's like there's something i need to know about or whatever when it's all kind of coming down corelli the more she's an alcoholic and (laughs) (laughs) i I think that's that's something sober you asshole that's something i really love about this movie is like they don't shy away from making cal an asshole like you know Mm -hmm. and and that one is like you can see in his eyes he's like how do i get out of this there's there's only one way to get me out of this situation and it's to she's now this woman as an alcoholic (laughs) (laughs) oh but i I love to most she's like tomei was just like oh he used the word asshole like she does this fantastic when he like just to like nail the beat of him calling her out as an alcoholic she does this like like yell scream down the the hallway yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, like like, as as soon as he says it yes and then she runs out and she's like i've been eight eight years sober asshole Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then i love it it comes back later when they're at the graduation she does the like waving Mm -hmm. middle finger at him or whatever it's perfect um no she's fantastic throughout the whole movie um so yeah so then you know he's 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 kind of built he's he's been working his way to repairing things with julian yep. moore that's all gone it's pouring down rain on yeah. him now and then we get the the hannah and jacob sequence yeah. and i love there's a great letterbox review saying that like they're in love with the emma stone leaves a guy to go kiss ryan gosling in a club cinematic universe mm-hmm. Because same thing happens in La La Land, if I'm not mistaken, where she where she goes and she goes she, well she goes at one point to see him at the club or uh, yeah it's it's the dream or whatever of what she thinks it might be mm-hmm. but I I feel like she they might do it in Gangster Squad as well because I know well, yeah, she's she, supposed to be with Sean she's Penn. supposed to be with Mickey Cohen Sean Penn's character but she ends up like being with Gosling is the thing so I wonder if they've done it in all three movies where she leaves a guy to go be with gosling at a club somewhere i don't know fascinating but yeah and then it just and they go back to his place and it 
it's kind of the, I think this is kind of the brilliance and appeal of like Emma Stone is that she, it's, it's weird because Emma Stone's someone where even though she has done movies in the last few years, I feel like post La La Land, we're seeing a lot less of her Mm -hmm. and we're not seeing how talented she is as a comedian. Yeah, like, I mean, we had the favorite was post La La Land, right? The favorite was post, but I, yeah, favorite was post La La Land. But I, I guess I mean like a modern comedy a lot. Like we had Zombie Land oh, yeah, too, yeah. but like her bread and butter early on is it's the Easy A, it's this and the Rocker. I did see the Rocker. That was a rental. <laughs> I mean, super bad. Even it's yeah. like um, I've and, and even like Ghost of Christmas Girl, Ghost of Girlfriends Christmas Past or whatever it is, like. And the first time Land, but it's like we've seen she was really great in these com- early comedic roles mm-hmm. um, in a modern comedic role. And we haven't seen a lot of that of her of late. It's been mostly period pieces or something. I don't know. It's just it's just a thing. Is that, and this happens a lot with people that once they win their Oscar, they kind of don't work as much because they can they can have a little bit more freedom in the roles they take. Mm-hmm. And right. that's and that's the big thing. So it's like it's just it's just funny to see how how hot she was at this moment in time with comedies um, and especially modern comedies. I mean, this and easy a are two very specific movies for this era of Hollywood comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really haven't seen her return back to that. I mean, easy a is like, if I, yeah, but have I, we really seen Hollywood comedies since then? that's true. That's true. You're that's fair. Um, I mean, we did have a low hop, um, but um but easy it's like with easy a it's just a brief tangent on easy a it's like without easy a you don't have book smart you don't have lady bird i don't think i don't think you have mm-hmm. any of the the rise edge of 17 edge, edge 17 the kind of rise of these female coming of age films uh easy a is kind of the big first one and she was magnetic in that just like she is mm-hmm. in, in this um yeah she's 22 in this it's insane. She 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 looks like a baby. I got like she looks young she, in this. But she sells like she sells it law so student, well. Yeah, like, so well. Freaking out about her life. Like she, you don't question her age for a second. You're just no. like, yeah, she's a lawyer who's nervous about settling down. And and again, what again? Like I said, which makes her great. Brilliant was well, I think I finished statement is that she's she's kind of this audience surrogate a lot of the time. And so like with this is that she's the she's the the girl who's like. Oh my god, that can't be your abs. You have to be photoshopped. Mm-hmm. It's like cuz that's what you're thinking of like, "Oh my god, you can't be real. What is this? You have the perfect music, the per- you had the perfect drink." Uh like what and then she's like kind of questioning, "What's your move? What's your move?" And that leads into the I somehow worked dirty dancing into the conversation. That the her chugging an old fashioned and then going like nope nope that's not it that's not my drink and then taking his and chugging it and then being like i don't really care for that it's so good and then you have just the the the, the dirty dancing moment there and then it's like she goes i can't that can't be it like yeah i, I convinced them that i can lift them and by the time i'm done they we have sex mm-hmm. and then it's the like so should we do it here or the bed but then to show kind of the um the growth of, of, of jacob's character the the kind of the transitioning into revealing more about himself because she brings it out of him is they go to bed to have sex but then just end up talking mm-hmm. the entire night basically 
and you have this like montage of authors talking about and you have <laughs> this very niche joke that i got this time is emma stone impersonating lauren bacall selling coffee oh, the, the, the coffee yeah decaffeinated coffee or mm-hmm. whatever she says i was just like i never got that in 2011 now i do and it's such a very specific joke that i love it um but yeah you begin to get you get, get kind of information about who jacob is as a person of mm-hmm. him well, he's got that great line where he's like can you do me a huge favor can you just ask me about a personal myself. question <laughs> yes because i it's like it's almost like this entire time he's bought into that like like there was probably someone who was what Jacob was for Cal. There was probably mm. someone early on who was that for Jacob because he didn't have a father figure in his life. He probably was he somehow got either listened to some help self-help book or read some Andrew Tate like person or whatever <laughs> um, and kind of fell into that. But like now he just like he wants to have someone like talk. He, want, he wants to talk about himself because the whole mm. thing early on is like, oh, no, not, not about me all about them all about them to show that i care about them or whatever um but yeah it's it's a very revealing moment where you get to see that he had a dad and you 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 know kind of instantly that it sounds like this dad is very much like cal where he's this Mm -hmm. like sweet man who probably was taken advantage of by someone um and that feels like the root of all his uh uh or root of jacob's kind of character and then you just you get that kind of exposition line and be like, oh, yeah, but he was also a rich business guy. So that's why I have all this stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. we never know what Jacob does. It just sounds like his dad was very rich and he now is living off that wealth. Yeah. Which which in this period in time just explains it. It's like, cool, move on. Um, But yeah. um, Should we just jump into the party scene? Is there anything else between oh, now and then? I'm, I'm ready. Let's do okay. it. I mean, the question, the thought I had was that I wonder how much of effect Love Actually had on movies like this because Love Actually is the interconnected, like interwoven things. This is a much smaller scale version of it. But yeah, but Love Actually, like everything, doesn't come to a head as perfectly. No, I agree as, with that. I, I agree with it. This is this is kind of the perfect way to. This is such a great kind of the the classic comedy of errors. Like yes. every little plot, you know, like a like a like a play almost. Like every every little plot line that's been woven through is all going to come to a head at the same place. And everyone's problems are all going to weave into each other's. Yes. And and again, it's, I love, and and they set up very nicely where it's like, they had a Gosling finally calls Steve Carell back. It's like, Hey, like, I'm sorry. I've been in my, Hey, like I've been with this girl. He goes, Oh, and he starts kind of making jokes about it. Cause they're still on that wavelength. Like, Oh, he's just picking up all these random girls. Um, he, he seems it's really sweet he seems like genuinely at, at he's like end. hey don't be nervous yeah, about yeah. being the mom i'm sure it'll yeah. go fine you'll be fine like, I'm, I'm happy for you like you you like so he's joking about early on but he's happy for him that he's found someone hopefully can turn his life around and then you have again these romantic moments where julianne moore shows up and it's the mini golf and he's talking about when he first met her and blah blah, blah. and then it's like when she's like, "Oh no, we're waiting for your your daughter to show up." He goes, "Oh, my daughter's here." No, 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 your other daughter. And the way it's been set up of them calling her Nana the entire time, mm-hmm. you think it's like a grand because because they mentioned yeah. her several times. They're like, like, "Oh, I, I talked to I talked to Nana the other day," or like, "I told Have you told Nana about the divorce?" Or, yeah, yeah. And when she walks in, you're like, "Oh!" And then Gosling's face, Gosling's <laughs> face, 
just sells the entire moment where it's kind of like he kind of double takes Cal, Jacob, and it's like like Gosling thinks like why he's so like flabbergasted he's so confused of like why is why is Cal here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it and he, and he still doesn't. I I love it. he's so confused, but he still like doesn't miss a beat when when Julian Moore's like oh he's so cute and he's like me look at you what are you sisters? It's just yeah, like he yeah. can't <laughs> he can't turn it off. And then. And then it comes into, uh, and we'll talk about here. I again, I don't really love the babysitter storyline. Yeah, but but you gotta you gotta but, give me mad John Carroll. But Lynch. John Carroll Lynch coming in to tackle Steve Carell when he finds <laughs> just out, out of frame, completely of like frame. just dives into the frame and, and knocks him over. And just knocks him over because John Carroll Lynch's character has been so timid the entire time. Yeah. Like you can tell he like his his for a lack of a better phrase his wife wears the pants in the families it's kind of like his wife is kind of the it feels like the dominator over him mm-hmm. where he can't make decisions on his own it's like it's it's the scene earlier when he's just like oh i picked you but she picked her so we're going with her type mm-hmm. thing um and when he finds for those that if you need to know the, the plot of this movie it's that the babysitter that they have um has 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 a crush on steve carell and Robbie, the young son of Steve Carell, has a crush on the babysitter. So it's a, it's a unknowing love triangle is kind of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the babysitter is told by a a attractive, I guess, uh, senior cl- or classmate. <laughs> I do take... really like that scene when, when she asks her for advice and she's like, "Oh, you're you're a little freak," and she's like, you're, "Oh yeah, I, I know, right? You're nasty, know. you're nasty, <laughs> yeah." Um, but uh she'll take nude photos of yourself and she takes it with like very other time those like digital cameras you had like now Mm -hmm. it's like it's your iphone um and she like prints them out or whatever and like it all and john carroll lynch finds the photos and now you see him like become like the 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 anger that's probably been boiling up for years with him in some Mm way is unleashed when he goes and tackles um breaks the windmill off breaks the windmill off and trying to beat it it's the kind of like he didn't know about the nude photos or this or that, but then, and then after all that, the guy who you could argue has caused all the problems the entire time, and that's Kevin Bacon, David Lynn Hagen. Absolute. And I, and I know your fa- your favorite moment. Go ahead and tell your favorite moment. Probably the entire scene is is, is best is this. line read. One of the best line reads of all time is that Kevin Bacon comes up and everybody's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Hey, I'm David Lynn Hagen." He's like proud of him. He's like, ah, "I'm David Lynn Hagen." <laughs> And Ryan Gosling has like, oh, David Linhagen reaches off down, pulls, up, pulls off his ring. He's like, okay, <laughs> just <laughs> punches him across the like that, right like, hook. That's re- that's for hurting my be- my my yeah. friend. You know how much pain you've caused my friend, my friend, you dumb. And then he's just tackled, <laughs> tackled by Steve Carell. Like, don't you do or, or don't you date my daughter? And then John Carroll Lynch is like, don't you date my to see my daughter nude or whatever? And it's just like, Kevin, yeah, Kevin I don't know like, who you I don't are. <laughs> And then, and then, I, I, then I love the, the when they're all fighting the after when the cops come and they're all sitting there, and they're like and the cops are like who's David, like uh, Lynn Hagen, Lynn Hagen, and they're just like Lynn Hagen, and, and Gosling like pointing down to it, <laughs> and then that that perfect moment when they're just like guys like we don't want to be calling family go inside keep in the family and gosling just like has this giggles giggles and carell's like 
don't you dare i swear to god He's like, like, i'll kill, I'll I'll kill, kill you <laughs> the the two of them, once I'll again the two you. of them everybody in that scene absolutely everybody on the scene is firing on all cylinders but yeah. the, the two of them are incredible oh man it's amazing um and the, yeah but yeah and then again you, you have the kind of like it's it's the rom-com moment or whatever it's like they're they're now all kind of well he's now broken up with his wife again he's he's lost all hope blah blah his kids don't talk to him um jacob he, jacob or he won't talk to jacob now he's lost everyone in his life to kind of talk to um and another favorite line read i love is later when he's at the bar and he's now like drinking or whatever and and before jacob shows up um and and the guy's like what time or steve Carell's like what time is it two in the afternoon thank you for the judgmental tone cocktail servant (laughs) two two would have been fine would have been fine (laughs) thank you for the judgmental tone cocktail servant and then it's like when he comes back aren't you gonna do a shot i think she spit in it and then later (laughs) later he takes a shot she definitely did she definitely spit Mm. in it um yeah and then it goes in kind of the big this eighth grade graduation where again all the characters except david linhagen are back in the (laughs) same room again um and you're trying to pay off the the robbie stuff because it's trying to show that this this kid's seeing how his parents are and how like that he he started off in a certain way obsessed with love uh and by the end of it now realizes that love is is not as true and great as he thought it was um and steve Carell again has a great moment when he's when he sees robbie doing it and he just goes stop he goes oh shit oh <laughs> shit oh uh, he's like, it's like as he's walking down just like why did i do this why did i do this and then it's like hey buddy what are you doing um and then again you had that big final rom-com speech the end of mm-hmm. steve Carell, steve Carell saving um uh the kind of story for his son of like hey like this, i don't know who this is this is not my son my son believes in this and this and this because i believe in this this and this and i taught him that and i i fell in love with my soulmate at 15 and like you can't just say a 13 year old doesn't know about love because i i fell in love with the, around the same age and I, I love that moment where he's like uh, talking about his dad. He's like, "Yeah, my dad was making fun of me because my first date, how dads do." And and he said like, "Oh, you're gonna like marry her?" And she's like, "Oh no, like I'm gonna date around to see this." Or he's like, "And that's the first time I to- I lied to my dad because I mm. knew right then I was gonna marry this woman." And it's just yeah, very much a rom com moment. Um, that's and- a great line. <laughs> and then you got the you know they finally everybody goes out and makes up at the yeah. end he makes up with jacob I love that. Like, he goes like i bought a gun from a shady site slaps in the face slaps him a couple of times but then he goes up to, to julianne moore and she says i'm really glad you bought me that ice cream and it's like oh it's, there we go all comes full circle um couldn't help it the question is do you want to talk about the stuff that doesn't that we don't like for what doesn't work because yeah. there's stuff that in here that i i i have a a, a list of things yeah. um with certain things uh we can talk about but yeah let's go back let's go on to the next the next section of this wonderful yeah. podcast just a little bit about production they uh they started shooting april 16th of 2010 they shot for 53 days um oh wow while they were shooting the title of the film was a point of major contention <laughs> uh, the filmmakers were alt- ultimately offered an ipad for whichever crew member could come up with the best title this is just like when harry met sally <laughs> when it was the it was the case of champagne they yep. didn't know, they yep. didn't know the title wow okay 
by the end of the film, the rap t-shirts for the crew uh, were printed with over 300 title suggestions that have been accumulated throughout the production that's funny. on that's, the t-shirts. That's funny. The overall favorite was Wingman with uh, Steve Carell and the directors pushing for the title. And they also thought it would make audiences think the movie was less of a rom-com and more and of more that kind of sec- yeah, bro, sex comedy, bro yeah. rom-com that, yeah. that Judd Apatow would kind of romantic comedy it was the term yeah. everyone was using but yeah. you know like i love you man or or those yeah. kinds of movies um they ended up landing on crazy stupid love which was a line from the film and uh fogelman decided yeah i like that but like a lot of people were against it like it sounds like a lot of people were campaigning uh for him to go with wingman like even after he had picked that one yeah I don't like Wingman as much. I gotta be real. I don't like Wingman yeah. as much. I don't think it. I think it just that just covers the like Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling part. Yeah, it but, doesn't cover you know. all of it. Like yeah. it, it, it doesn't cover crazy, stupid love. Again, it's like talking about like the thesis of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. It's yeah, the it's kind of it's like love film. actually. Like that. Yeah. It's, it's it's the central thesis. It's it's about love, but it'll, it'll, it it tells you it's the it's the stupid and crazy things we do when we're in love or mm-hmm. everything. So I like yeah. it. So the breakout of the film, like we've been saying, was the chemistry between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, who are so electric together that the directors threw out the entire script for the bedroom scene and have them just spend a whole shoot day improvising all of that dialogue. Uh Uh-huh. So that that Lauren McCall thing was definitely just Emma Stone riffing. I love that. Okay. Uh, Fogelman actually stormed off the set that day. He was upset to see his lines get thrown out. Uh, oh, but he no. admitted he admitted in like a ten year anniversary uh interview just last year that uh that, that was the right call, that he was an idiot to he was like the chemistry there was off the charts. Yeah. And they just letting them improv is like one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. So he came around. Yeah. The now famous dirty dancing scene was also an unplanned bit. As Gosling admitted to Fogelman at some point that this was his own move when bringing women home. <laughs> uh, Gosling, as you as you probably know if you're familiar with his background, was was a dancer. Was in he the was Mickey a Mouse dancer. Club, he was a dancer. Uh, and and was start kind of started his showbiz uh, relationship as a child as a dancer, and so he had learned how to do that lift, and then figured out as an as an adult man that it was very impressive towards women. So. At some point, he told Fogelman that, and he was like, "Oh, that's definitely going in the script." <laughs> yeah, I love, I love one of like one of his interview chat shows that he was on. I think it might have been Graham Norton, where it was, or it was, I think it was Graham Norton and Conan O'Brien, where he's talked about his early days of like in a child dance company and him being the only guy in the mm-hmm. child in the child dance company. It was like hip hop dance is what it was most of the time, mm-hmm. and he's always just like, "I was a hip hop dancer. That's what I was." Mm-hmm. and then they show clips of him and you're like yeah this is cringy as hell like mc hammer pants mc hammer something. pants yeah he goes they're coming back they're coming back <laughs> uh mm. so the first time they practiced the lift uh emma stone freaked out when gosling picked her up over his head she said she didn't think she had a fear of being picked up but as soon as he did it she had a flashback to a childhood accident when she fell off the monkey bars at five years old and broke both of her arms oh my god uh so she said she immediately went into a panic attack and started screaming and flailing around she kicked gosling in the throat and he (laughs) he, she said i don't know how he held on to me but like we should have both gone down when that happened 
So uh, she was escorted off of set to calm down. She said they had to, she had to be driven home, and uh, she had to get in bed and watch Labyrinth to break her out of her uh, <laughs> panic attack. Which I, I could see Labyrinth giving someone a panic attack. But, oh uh, man, okay. that's your calming movie. Yeah. Um. So they they brought in a stunt double to actually do the, the yeah. actual lift, but they use the sounds, the ADR that you hear when he lifts her over his head is. This is the beginning of Emma Stone's oh, panic no. attack. <laughs> That's the audio from the rehearsal. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I figured by how they shot it, and I think I'd heard something at one point that she didn't do the lift, mm-hmm. and they shoot it wide. Like It's outside the window, I think is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And they, then they it, cut to outside the window just right as he picks her up. Right. And it cuts to inside when he's bring, when he's just like bring her down there face to face. And when she mm-hmm. has, has her like, should we do it here or in the bed? Um, wow. And yet, dis- despite getting kneed in the throat for that scene, uh, Gosling said the hardest scenes to suit were the montages of him hitting on girls at bars. As uh, he said, it felt really weird to show up at 8 a.m. <laughs> and go to a bar and and tell these women these pickup lines. And he said uh-huh. specifically he would have to pretend like he was yelling over music at the club, even though, you know, yeah. they don't play music on set. So he said it was just just real weird energy for first thing in the morning. Yeah, I always with a scene like that, I always think back to like social network when Timberlake is like yelling at Eisenberg in the club of like, We're gonna do it. It's almost mm-hmm. like it's like it feels like a Goonies moment, like here, we're gonna be whatever here. And I'm just like that day on set was just probably Timberlake yelling so many times, especially on a venture mm-hmm. set, to like nothing and you had to pretend the music is there and it's it's mm-hmm. insane. So uh, post-production on the film took a little bit longer than expected. Uh, the first cut that was delivered was three hours. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'd, I'd be interested in a three-hour cut. I wonder what a three-hour cut of this is like because I'm like, what? Do you, is there more Kevin Bacon? Like, is that the thing? Is there more John Carroll Lynch? I wouldn't say no to more David Linhagen. Like, because you know what I mean? Like, David Linhagen's in the movie, but he's not mm-hmm. like, he's not in it a lot. Like yeah. I assume there's probably not that much more Tomei, but I could see more John Carroll Lynch. Or, I think Kevin Bacon. I, I feel like there'd be more Kevin Bacon of her mm-hmm. trying to have some sort of relationship with a Kevin Bacon, yeah. uh, or with with David Linhagen. Um, yeah, an hour extra cut. That's that's wild. But yeah, kind of perfecting it took long enough that uh, the release was actually pushed back. It wow. was supposed to be April 22nd. They had to push it back to finalize the cut. So it got pushed back to July 29th, which I think, you know, summer release, like, you know, it feels like a better date anyway. And, yet, um, and what's coming out at that point? 2011. Um, What's the big movie in 2011 for that summer? Because Dark Knight Rise and stuff is is a year later. For this weekend, the weekend before, this is to sum up what was happening in 2011 uh, and and you'll start seeing kind of things. Okay. An, uh, Captain America, the first Avengers, July 22nd mm-hmm. friends with benefits, July 22nd. Oh, okay. Uh, attack the block, July 29th, Cowboys, and <laughs> A- Cowboys and aliens, July 29th. Wow. Aliens. So Cra- hot. Crazy, stupid love 29th. And then the Smurfs, ch- the 29th. Wow. So little, little run with rom-coms so, for a know. two week period. Yeah. But then, then the rise of Marvel is happening at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. So the final cut, as as you probably know if you've seen it, is like right at two, two hours. hours. Right at two hours, yeah. yes. I wonder I wonder if they completely took out like a plot line or something. 
Because that's yeah. usually the easiest way to cut something out mm-hmm. is to just cut out a plot line. I, I wonder if there's not a little bit more in that second half because it is, having seen it several times now, it is kind of, time gets really fluid in that, like, second between, half. When, between, like, Cal, Jacob kind of ghosting Cal, mm-hmm. and then him finally putting together the mini golf. And then it kind of gets fluid again between the mini golf and, and Jacob finally coming to be like, hey, you got to come talk to your family. Yeah. Like they, there's really no way to kind of measure time there. So I, I do wonder yeah. if a lot of what they pulled doesn't come from that, like maybe more just kind of Gosling and Stone. That's what I wonder too. Falling which, in love. Yeah. Cause it's like, do you have kind of a sequence like it's the summer or whatever, like in La Land where they're off together, like doing mm-hmm. relationship things or whatever? Because really, like once once they have the bedroom stuff, then it kind of just cuts to them at the wine store when he's calling. Yeah, Cal. We, get a, we get a montage of Cal kind of being alone. Yeah, and and being kind of sad and picking up more women, and then finally it's like, oh hey Cal, I'm in love with someone, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh okay, <laughs> and like you know if they didn't have as much chemistry as they did, you know, in another movie you might be like, how long has it been? But yeah. they're they're just so good together. You're like, okay, yeah, no, I dig it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> um. So once the film came out, the release was met with uh, great critical reviews. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. Owen Gleiberman gave it an A. A.O. Scott gave it four out of five stars. Everybody was just like, it's really sweet, but it doesn't. It, it's it's really sweet and nice, but it also like doesn't shy away from like negative emotions. Like they don't like we kind of said, it doesn't it, it doesn't paint everybody as a great person. It lets people be assholes. It lets people mm-hmm. be sad. Like it, it, it feels a little bit more real than what we're used to out of these kind of like uh you know bubblegum pop yeah rom-com yeah kind of things it resonated with audiences as well it earned 145 million dollars at the box office on a 50 million dollar budget which is just wild yeah like, don't see that kind of money for a comedy anymore. Like, well now, we also like don't see comedies anymore but yeah but that's like that's like where's the sequel like that's that's yeah. why i feel like the, the question is you only a sequel but perhaps the most lasting legacy of the movie is the, the discovery of the chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, who went on to become an it screen couple of the 2010s, mm-hmm. starring as romantic leads in Gangster Squad. And then, of course, La La Land after this. There's actually a quote from Emma Stone, pro- I think, like kind of after Gangster Squad, where they're like, oh, are you going to keep working with uh, Ryan Gosling? And she's like, absolutely. I'd love to see a world where we become hepburn and tracy like i I just love this idea of like i like working with him we're obviously very good together yeah if people want to keep putting us in stuff or like build stuff around us that's great yeah i would that's so wild nowadays when you look in comparison to back then it's like hepburn and tracy probably did 20 movies together Mm -hmm. and like the comparison now is that you just do two or three and that's all you need to be kind of considered like a, a, a cinematic pair well, it's, it, it is funny. It, it, it is almost kind of like we had this hearkening back to classical Hollywood at this time, too, because everybody was obsessed with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Around this time, too. That's the exact same time. Because 2011. Um, let's see. What were they? Silver Lines Playbook, I think it was 2013. Um, but they had they did Joy Together. That was a little bit later. And uh, American so, Hustle. American Hustle. And also... Now, what was American that? American Hustle was 2013. That was 2013. You're right. 20, yeah. So, Seven Nines is 2012. Um, and let's not forget that other one, 
Serena in the in the middle of all oh, that. Yeah. that. Yeah, they thought they could. They thought they could just coast on on their uh, on on their chemistry, chemistry. and it, it it bombed poor, massively. Poor Ron Rash. Ron Rash, yeah, just can't catch a break there. With that. Is, that, is that the only movie that's been? Is that the only one that's been? Yeah, I'm pretty sure movie? he's come out and said like he'll never sell any of his books again because that went so poorly. Oh, there was one in 2015. It looks like interesting, but they they might have had the rights to it beforehand. Adapted feature film directed. Uh, I don't know what it is. That the world made straight. Yeah, I don't know that one. I don't think I read that book. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was this kind of weird. And I mean, you know, we had some of it with, with, uh, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, but yeah. it it felt kind of fresh, fresh and new, but also nostalgic yeah. in that time when we had these two kind of hollywood it couples where everyone was very comfortable being like we're not together yeah because yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you know after after benifer and all this stuff kind of getting thrown in our faces it was just kind of nice to be like these two aren't together but they have great chemistry yeah. and they like making movies with each other and yeah. uh and we're gonna watch them when they yeah. make them we're gonna watch them yeah and and also too at this point in time you're looking at gosling and stone and then you can also say cooper and lawrence as four of hollywood's rising for four of Hollywood's biggest rising stars mm-hmm. like again you gotta put into context is that drive is this year i believe for for mm-hmm. for gosling as is ides of march if i'm not mistaken or is that yeah it's this year right because we've talked about this um um let me make sure i'm correct on this um yeah drive 2011 this is 2011 ides of march 2011 uh she's coming off of easy a um, if you look at Lawrence, is that Lawrence is coming off of like um, X Men First Class and and the beginning of Hunger Games at this point in time. Um, Cooper is is becoming a critical darling uh, once Silver Lang's playbook happens. Um, but yeah, you're seeing like four big stars that are big on their own being put in movies together, mm-hmm. um, and all of them have just almost unlimited range it feels like like i would say all four of them are great at playing drama and comedy yeah and yeah, absolutely and gosling i think to jump ahead oh, not not to jump ahead fully to what worked but like i think gosling is one of the best at balance who, who can just be the the guy and the driver and drive who's stoic and quiet to being this super funny uh um even charming character um and these rom-coms or, or comedy films that he does. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, let's, let's take that opportunity to okay. go into what works here. Um, well, I the main cast, Gosling and Carol, Gosling, Carol Stone, Moore, all of them have just fantastic chemistry together. And, uh, it's, it's also, it's like a, to commend the script is that I think it's a relatable, comedy because Mm. like like i said with this is like it's not a far-fetched idea the setup is Mm. not far-fetched yeah is that his wife had or slept with someone else they're getting divorced it's very kind of simple but it's the conflict that makes it interesting and the characters that make it interesting there's not some big hook of like again to how this guy in 10 days oh i'm trying to lose him in 10 days and he's trying to (laughs) have you fall in love there's no kind of big hook of like oh what's going to happen there Mm-hmm. like really we're just following these characters and then plot gets in the way oh this is what's going to happen here or whatever yeah 
Um, and I mean, I, th- I think also the kind of the genius of, of splitting it up and taking it on as a, as a smaller ensemble, you know, mm-hmm. not as big as kind of Love Actually or the ones we talked about last week, New Year's Eve and yeah, Valentine's yeah. Day and all those. But, yeah. but the 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 best thing about kind of splitting it between these two couples is you get to explore both of the basic rom-com structures. You get to have a comedy of divorce while you also have a, a basic two people meeting opposites attract Act, yeah. kind of rom-com uh go, will, will they won't they kind of thing uh going and so you get you get the best of both worlds here yeah you get the falling out you get the falling out of love falling in love then falling back into love with with all mm-hmm. these different things and then i mean also we keep we keep ignoring it <laughs> keep glossing over uh, the, the, the the young love the young love portion of it all yes yes you do. Uh, and the unrequited love of it all um but that is also there in this movie i love that we're just like we're just barely talking about this we've got another section to cover um but yeah uh that yeah i think that and again the 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 supporting players coming in if it's the john carroll lynch if it's the marissa tomei if it's kevin bacon like these all really kind of work and how they come in um so yeah that's my anything else for you what worked yeah and yeah i I think again you know you can't you can't create chemistry. Chemistry just happens, and yes. it it happens everywhere. Here. Like literally every relationship here, it, yes. it happens. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And and I don't think, I think Emily is kind of a thankless role, as far as like everybody else goes. But Julianne Moore has so many great lines in this yes. in this movie, and and you really got a hats off. I think in a in, with with a lesser performer her character would kind of disappear a little bit yeah but but she doesn't let that happen i mean a scene we didn't talk about that's it's because it's not really comedic um but like steve carell keeps going back to the house to like fix up the yard and it's that scene where he sees them inside having ice cream mm-hmm. and then she calls him up to say oh hey like um i'm down in the basement but he's watching from outside and says she's in the next room in the bedroom like calling him and i think her hope is that he'll say oh i'll come by and fix it or whatever mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to ask him to come by and so they're just like stuck and it's, just, it's a beautiful moment between the two a heartbreaking moment where she she's trying to reach out to him but she doesn't want to be the person to be the one that does the asking um because i think she feels so guilty about what happened and yet she she takes like she's she's very much she's very sad it's very heartbreaking for that he He's telling her stuff, and she just, it's also, you could argue that she just wants to hear his voice or whatever. It's mm-hmm. always different things, and she plays it so well in that yeah. scene. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I love to, to, to give the, the babysitter plotline one, one shout out. I love the, um, <laughs> I don't want your slutty money. Scene. That's a great scene. Yeah. I mean, those two, when, I mean, her having a crush on Corel doesn't, like, that, doesn't fully bother me it's the way it's handled afterwards is what kind of yeah. bothers me but yes when she's like i think you're great and she's like i think she's like batshit crazy if she like wants to leave you and then mm-hmm. yeah that moment when she's like batshit crazy i don't want your slutty money when, she, like, <laughs> the point when she's leaving and, she's like, and then that what? julia moore's got a great beat when when she finally when uh the babysitter is like he doesn't know I'm in love with him, and Julia Moore has this great like, oh, <laughs> slutty money <laughs> comes back to her. All right, so 
does anything not work in this movie, Brandon? Uh, Thomas, 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 Thomas. Um, it there's this, and I don't like saying this word that much when describing a movie, but there are moments that are very dated, and yes. this there there there's storyline moments that are dated. I think there are technical things that are dated as well. I'll I'll briefly say this right now. I think some of the cinematography, while good, there's a point in in early 2010s where we're starting to do digital film, like digital film, or I don't know if it's digital or film, but like the way highlights are and like comedies where everything's just so super bright. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like it's got it's got kind of that same look. Like we I know we talked about with Scream Four, where it's just yeah. like why is everything so, so bright? bright? It's just so bright when they're outside. It's like it's like just like white, like just like bright mm-hmm. white on their faces. And I just I really hate that. Like sometimes and I do think to 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 go back to something that does work. I do think shout out to the directors. The blocking is great in yes. this. Yeah, the blocking for comedy is is really really well done. I think the montages are staged staged incredibly well with the transitioning to show all the different Steve Carells. But mm-hmm. God, when they go outside during the day, it's like <laughs> it is rough to me. Like it's like we we completely a, bypassed this period of time where that's not I don't think that's cool anymore. There's a moment when she when the babysitter uh when the girl tells the babysitter to take nudes and they I, I guess it's supposed to be like this light bulb moment but she's standing in the hallway and somebody mm-hmm. opens like a, a door leading outside so that her yeah. face is like lit right but i mean she's yeah. like completely washed out like you can't even make yeah. out an expression on her face when it happens and like sometimes it works i think spielberg and and Janusz kaminski use a lot of that where like bright white like kind of bright white almost like where it's just this halo type effect or whatever with things but here it just feels so odd because with Spielberg, it's always usually stylized. And this just feels, this is not really a stylized movie. And, and, and so when it happens, it just feels very much of its era. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the technical side I wanted to bring <laughs> up. And then we get to the babysitter plot line, which I just think is, I mean, almost from the word go, it's just odd. Like she walks down him. Like the, basically it's like, Jessica is the babysitter and Robbie's the kid and Robbie's like 13 is what it is. And she's 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it has this weird thing where she walks in and sees him like masturbating at the beginning. So right out of the gates, we're starting weird. Um, and it's awkward and that's, and it's, uh, that's a, a, a funny kind of moment, but then it just keeps going where he comes. He's like, Oh, just, you know, like I think of you a lot of times when I'm doing it and I'm like, we're just getting weird very quickly. <laughs> and, and then he kind of has this like, I'll never give up on you type thing, and it's he's gonna be obsessed, and everyone just kind of says, oh, if she's your one, like you should, you should don't 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 take no for an answer. It feels very odd. Like, the there, advice there's they legitimately give him, a point where she texts him and she's like, please stop, you are making me very uncomfortable, and yes. I'm like, that is that's that it. should be the end of that this. should be the end <laughs> of it. And and doesn't he say at one is it to, to David Linhog and he's like, I'm, I'm gonna keep. I'm going to keep saying text to, to Jessica, even though she feels uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah. why is that a statement? Why yeah. is that being said? You should understand that's not cool. Um, so yeah, that's odd. And then you get into the nude photos where she takes the nude photos uh, for, for, for Cal. But then the even weirder part is that she then gives the photos to the, to Robbie. 
who's at the end of the movie and that's kind of this like hey hey he he finally convinced her type thing it just feels it feels so yeah. weird i do i did not i do not need them to reconcile by the end of the movie i definitely don't need a 17 year old to give a 13 year old nude photos of herself by the yeah. end of the movie um i yeah I, I i you know in the context as far as like young love goes i i think i think her kind of mistakenly taking the pictures for him you know it's obviously very misguided and all that i think that yeah. works and it leads yeah. us to kind of the john carroll lynch yes uh but but yeah him just and 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 it's so one note for the whole movie it's just like i'm in love with you stop i'm not gonna stop and it's just like give yeah. it give us it something it's else. only and a like, four-year difference it won't be that big of a deal in a few years yeah Dem- demi and ashton look so happy when you t- want to talk yeah. about someone being dated <laughs> that, that was i i said there are certain lines that just feel very like of the time that like no one's going to get this reference nowadays um that was being that was one of, i also love the phones the phones are so it's right before iphones take off it feels like so everything's like they're using all using lg phones it's all like the slide up with the type with almost the keypad they're, they, they can type on like it's like it's almost like a typewriter or whatever or like a computer um mm-hmm. yeah that plot line it's just god it's like that that's a, i think everyone forgets that plot line when they think about this movie because i think i think the chemistry of the, the main four leads are so fantastic that you forget how weird and odd that plot line is mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know how i feel about how some of the female characters are written in this movie um I made a comment about Marissa Tomei's character for certain moments where it feels very like cliche, crazy lady. Mm-hmm. Like if that makes sense. That's why I said, was she cast because of her performance in what we want? Because that's exactly what happens in what we want where Mel Gibson doesn't call her and she starts getting crazy and self doubt and like all this stuff. And she kind of does it here too. It's kind of odd. Um, I, I, while I like some of the lines of like the girl in the high school, it that's played very weird in moments where she's mm-hmm. just this typical like lack of a better word a slut who sleeps with older guys is what it is and mm-hmm. while there is the funny moment like oh you're nasty or with this that's fine but just the way it's done just feels very like i'm gonna write what i think like a a, a hot girl in high school would sound like is kind of what it feels mm-hmm. like to me um yeah and like and i know like let's go even deeper with this like i know like joey like like they have the younger daughter who's like hardly used in this movie Mm -hmm. whatsoever it's just yeah and like and then you even have like john carroll interest is like his wife is just this very dominating personality too it just feels very besides stone and a little bit of more because i said more doesn't have a lot of great moments in this like a lot of she makes great moments out of what she's given but she doesn't get as much as stone or the other ones do i don't know just something just feels a little off there with the female characters yeah. Th- thoughts on that i don't yeah, no, I, I i agree yeah it, it definitely feels like it's it's interesting i think it, it as as someone who who really enjoyed when i was younger uh how i met your mother and has revisited the series a couple of times since then it, it's 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 kind of a little bit more forward thinking than that whole kind of barney stinson Mm-hmm. like womanized they're like oh look at this guy he sleeps with so many dumb women and they're 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 dumb so they like it like yeah. it's it's kind of starting to get forward from that but there's still you can still see where that kind of that type of comedy mm-hmm. is still kind of rooted in this and yeah. um 
you know, even if the lesson in this is ultimately like that's all vapid and mm-hmm. and you don't need that, it's like that still doesn't redeem any of those women that they've yeah. portrayed as really dumb. <laughs> it redeems Gosling, yeah, but it yeah. doesn't redeem any of the other women that they've portrayed. And it, yeah. it tells you, you know, don't pursue that lifestyle, but that doesn't help yeah. any of them. They didn't learn that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. There I, we go. I think that I think that's the main that's the main stuff. Yeah. When you when you go back and you redo the three hour cut, maybe maybe cut out the part where the seventeen year old gives the thirteen year old nude photos. Because because here's the thing. you can I feel like you can you could find a different way to that same beat of like hey you're thirteen I'm seventeen and and maybe it's still questionable of like hey one day call me yeah. when you're twenty one. Honestly, I, th- I when he says if you cut out the nude photos yeah he comes up to her and he says i'm gonna stop bothering you and she says are you giving up and he says no i just know one day i'm gonna look like my dad and you have a crush on my dad and that's the end of the plot that's the end of the story yeah and then and then she says okay well thank you for not bugging me anymore and then they part and it's like like, i'll 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 see you in eight years or something exactly yes but instead it's like oh no And she goes in the meantime and you're like no (laughs) stop it stop it Actually, just this this will last you through high school. Just so God oh, <laughs> oh man. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it. Let's get let's get some <laughs> film facts. Okay, okay. Uh Leo Tipton, who plays uh Jessica the babysitter, is only three days younger than Emma Stone, despite them being about five years apart in age in the film. Wow. Uh <laughs> on her desk emily weaver's job title is listed as assistant to the vice president which is a reference to the office for steve carell fans oh you watched the office brandon you didn't get that joke i i didn't get that joke well i've watched i've watched seven seasons of the office once yeah. well, that's, it's from like the first episode that's okay. rain wilson's whole thing is is dwight Schrute always he's, says he's, he's said, the assistant, assistant regional manager and they always the have to assistant con- to the assistant regional ass- manager assistant to the original to the yeah. regional manager yeah i got that uh, I love this one. Fogelman originally named Emily Weaver's romantic interest um, Jacob Jacobowitz. is named after his cousin. Uh, but when they signed Kevin Bacon on, they understandably had to change it from yeah. Jacobowitz. Yeah. So Fogelman came up with the name Lindhagen, which was used during rehearsals, but the name had to clear. People might not know this, but yeah. when you legal has to clear all this stuff that you use in movies and make sure you know, you're not going to uh you know run astray of any copyrights or Mm -hmm. or a real person who objects to using their name yeah and so they've been doing rehearsals they've been calling him david linhagen and then they show up right before shooting legal comes to fogelman and they say Mm -hmm. you can't use linhagen anymore so they go back they reprint the script and change it to lind home and uh but on Julianne Moore's first scene, which is actually, I couldn't find any evidence that they shot chronologically, but the first scene that they shot was them in the car in the mm. kind of in the opening. And so that's a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a tricky scene to shoot first. Yeah. Not, yeah Cause the, with the car and everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was at least like Julianne Moore's first scene. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. But she gets yeah. the sides and she's like, she's in the car rig and she, they said she had like a little, walkie because she was in the car and she was like hey um why why is it lindholm and they were like oh well studio made us change it and she was like well, lindhagen was so much funnier it which is it is rule of threes three syllables there you go lindhagen yeah. it's also it's a harder it's a harder like consonant there yeah and you get that lindhagen versus lindhagen joke throughout yeah. 
she was like why'd you why'd you guys change lindhagen they're like studio made us and she said i'm just gonna say lindhagen <laughs> they were like well you know if you do it, if julianne moore does it then we can go back to studio and be like oh julianne moore did it so yeah. so she did so she saved she saved the joke of david lindhagen did they give a reason why they couldn't they use like they just said legal didn't clear it yeah i want because because sometimes i know the example i know of because i'm this person is like i think it was uh in boy meets world the character of minkus had a different name and they had to change it because they found there was one person with that exact same name that lived in philadelphia and they're like if one person li- lives in the area with that name you're basically saying it's this person in yeah. the tv show mm-hmm. so you have to kind of change it um yeah that's yeah it's a better joke it's it's a harder consonant uh you can't do much with lynn home like in terms mm-hmm. of like playing of how the pronunciation it would be yeah lynn whom yeah <laughs> david lynn it's just yeah. it's great it's yeah. a it's a funny name it's a funny name in one of the uh first shots of the movie when joey king's character knocks a picture of cal and emily off of the mm-hmm. end table and mm-hmm. then you know the jessica picks it up and kind of covers up emily and is looking at cal uh the framed picture directly behind that one is a picture of steve carell julianne moore and emma stone oh and fogelman said he wanted to put the film's twist right in the audience face in the first shot so it's not the first shot but it's very close to the first shot interesting I wanna... yep. speaking uh... of the twist uh fogelman earned a nickname from fakar and Rikwa while they were working on the film they used to call him m night frank Cap- m night frank capra because it was such a surprising twist but ultimately like a really wholesome a wholesome twist, twist. yeah yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's definitely a picture of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So outside of David Lindholm, another attempted but failed studio change was attempting to remove the line, be better than the gap. When <laughs> Jacob is, uh, Jacob like storms out. Great line. Yeah. It's like, ah, I don't need new jeans. These are great. They're from the gap. Uh, then president of Warner Brothers, Alan Horn, was close friends with the CEO of the gap. And when he saw a cut, he was like, you got, you got to get rid of that line. And the filmmakers refused to budge on the line they said it's a funny line it's a funny scene we're not losing the line so horn had to call his friend and like warn him before they put the movie out that he wasn't going to be too happy about one scene i love that alan horn gets a second name drop because he was also name dropping when harry met sally episode as his dad was the inspiration behind the stories of the Mm -hmm. of the intercuts wow okay didn't expect that this this series alan horn champion of the rom-com there you go yeah Except not champion of gap jokes. Yeah. Studio change that did go through uh, was a line dub when Jessica mother's when Jessica's mother discovers her naked photos. Her initial reaction was to only gasp the word vagina. Uh, vaj- but they were JJ, I think is what she says. Yeah, they were threatened by the MPAA with an R rating if they wow, left for that the word, word vagina in there. Oh my god. Prudes. So by dubbing the line over Prudes. with the JJ, they managed to stay PG-13. I mean, it's a funnier line, <laughs> but wow, that's interesting. Okay. All right, on to our awards. Mm. We've got we've got some tough ones here. So we've got the P- the Beatrice Strait Award for the actor actor or actress with limited scenes who kills it. <sighs> okay. Okay. So we've got. All right, here, I'll throw I'll throw some out for you. Yeah, who are the ones that can't? Because I, I have three names here. I we think. got Marissa Tomei. Yep. We've got John Carroll Lynch. Yep. Got Kevin Bacon. Yep. 
I got to throw a couple more out there. Okay. Josh Groban. Okay. First film appearance. Uh, Lisa Lapira. I'm a big Lisa Lapira fan. I worked with her on a on a sitcom at CBS, and she is very very funny. Not sure that she's used to her uh, whole. Strengths oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's the best friend in this. Tr- we'll talk about we can talk about that a little bit more on the Patreon best friend role. Yeah. Uh, but I've got I've got a, a dark horse. I do want to shout out because I think as far as like pure concentrated comedy per amount of screen time, uh, Dan Butler. You might know from Manhunter or Silence of the Lambs or Frasier uh, plays Cal's boss in the scene. Oh, yeah. He's great in the scene. <laughs> it's like, thank God. Yeah. We, we thought, thought it, was, it cancer. was cancer. We thought it was cancer. Who told you? Who told you? <laughs> uh, it's, a good, it's a good one. Yeah, that was what I wanted to mention earlier. Yeah, it's it's okay, guys. It's, it's not cancer. He's just getting divorced. <laughs> um okay um while i had i had comments about her character i think it's marissa tomei for me um i think her 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 the scene with the twist because again we talked about the two twists and she's part of one of the biggest twists of the movie and i think her 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 scene of when she's calling him an asshole in front of uh emily is just perfect at a certain point and emily goes this is not about Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about the this, Scarlet this Letter. Is about, okay, this is not about Scarlet Letter. Um, I, I I think it's Tomei. I think there's great. I mean, you can give me arguments to the other ones because I like John Carroll Lynch thing is great. I think the ending of him getting the, the tackle in there is phenomenal. Um, Bacon is just fun as he pops up in it. But I think Tomei just has some of the for the role she's given, she shines the brightest to me. Um, and even with the flaws of it, I think she kind of is able to make it her own and still is able to make it not just this typical crazy lady role as, as the thing that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's my view. What are your I'll, thoughts? I'll back that. Yeah, it's tough for me. Cause you know, John, I think John Carroll Lynch is our greatest living character actor, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he's, he's great here, but yeah, Tomei is, is so much fun. And that the, the, the parent teacher conference scene is, is. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, I to 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 the point where I think when people think about this movie, they like consider her part of the main ensemble, and she's yes. she's really not. She's really not. She's only in the bar scene, the parent teacher conference scene, uh, and the graduation scene, mm-hmm. and, and like when when they go and uh, when Carol and her have sex or whatever. Like, so they're like four four scenes. A fifth one if you add her vo- like the voice when she comes in at one point, but I'm not mm-hmm. counting that. So she's only in like four scenes, and I think she does a lot. With I mean, I mean, here's the thing: she's technically on the poster <laughs> when you think about <laughs> it, because it's her leg on the well, mm-hmm. her leg yeah. or supposed to be her leg on the poster. Um, oh, it's now on HBO Max. Crazy Super Love is now on HBO Max. I just realized that it was not on HBO <laughs> Max a few days ago. Just in time for just in time for the, our episode. Yeah, I'm sure they, they worked out a deal known. to have it in February. They must have known. Um, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, I, uh, I think it's Tomei. As you know, Robbie's shining moment this year was when he set a school record for cursing in an eighth grade English class. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> You're familiar with this word, Mrs. Weaver. Yes, I am. And I've spoken to the principal. Asshole. About- As in someone who tells a woman that he'll call and never does. 
asshole, as in someone who uses honesty to get a woman into bed with him, but is actually full of shit like the rest of them? Robbie. Asshole. Since someone who allows a woman to go downtown for 45 minutes because he's nervous. Ew. All right, all right, Ew. all right. You know what? Oh. You know what? No. Here's the deal. She's an alcoholic. Oh, God. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. God. And the Annie Potts X Factor Award for the supporting actor who steals the show. Who, who, who counts as supporting here? Is it is Stone? Is it Stone or more? Because I I would argue that Carol Carol and Gosling are the two leads. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would think because Stone's gone for like an hour, as we yeah. talked about, she's gone for an hour. Um. So I would argue Stone is probably the supporting player here. Okay, I'm gonna go. You're gonna go more with Julianne Moore. Yeah. Okay. Because just in the way I think she elevates that character is is fantastic. I think I'm having a midlife crisis, maybe. Can women have midlife crises? In the movies, it's always men having them and buying ridiculous yellow Porsches. But you know, I'm fertilize. You've got to be sure to fertilize all this. We got married so young, Cal, and now I'm 44. I'm so much older than I thought I'd be. There's a, a, a turn-off valve for the sprinklers you know, over there. Last week, you know, when I told you that I had to work late, I really went to see the new Twilight movie by myself. I don't know why I did that. But it was so bad, Cal. It keeps raining like this, you might want to turn off the automatic setting. Well, we haven't been us, not for a long time. And I, I don't know when you and I stopped being us. I mean, do you? Maybe it's when you screwed David Lenhagen. Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you why I support that. I I went with that as well because for the Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie. Oh, you're doing that. You're doing that. I'm gonna okay. do Stone and Gosling together. Okay, interesting. Okay, so okay, so more for for supporting. Okay, okay, I'll accept that. I'll accept I think if that. you really have to pin like why this movie really like what really put this movie a step above everything else kind of at that time and why it kind of sticks with people. I think it's, it's not just the chemistry that they have in that movie, but kind of the coupling that, that then we like ultimately got La La Land out of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. And I also too, again, to, to account for she's gone for an hour of the movie. <laughs> um, and yet she's their Their chemistry is what kind of makes the movie. And, and I, and I think Gosling Carol as well. I think it's like, it's the relationship between Carol and Gosling early on, but then that Gosling and, and Stone, the back half. Um, yeah, and I, I just, yeah. This also, we get several, I think, Gosling memes for the Gosling mm -hmm. meme assignments or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. the the him reacting to the, not with Stone, but with, with the Carol, him reacting to the wallet, the... Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. The Velcro wall. <laughs> the, there's a the, there's one of him doing that weird kind of wave while he's in the wine store with her too. I see that one a lot. Yeah, and I and probably some of just like a, a big a snapshot of him that always is around is when he takes off the shirt mm -hmm. in front of her. Um, yeah. No, I think they're I mean, both that's, great. That's, that's probably the beginning of him. You know, his ultimate path to being Ken doll. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I I think if you want to talk about like the, again, their kind of scene where it's like they their chemistry was so good they just had them improvise for a full day for mm -hmm. 
for honestly one of the most important moments in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it's the scene that has to sell him. Yep. His he, character change, and yep. they were like, "You guys are so good together. Just, just do it." And they did. Yeah. So I, I'll I'll go with that. Gosling and Stone, Stone and Gosling. The pair we hope to see more of. Yeah. I mean, Gosling. So I mean, talk about. I said that about Emma Stone. Like we haven't really seen her that much. Gosling, God, he just like takes massive breaks. Like the gray. That's thing. The Gray Man came out in 2022. That was his first movie in four years. It's insane. Okay, so then what do we do? What happens now? Like logistically, what's your move? Hmm, what's my move? What's your move? Like what's your big move? I got lots of moves. What's your big move? I'm not talking about big move. Tell me your move. You're not ready for the big move. Yes, I am. I want your big you move. You can't handle the big move. Trust Tell me. Tell me a big move. I work dirty dancing into the conversation. Dirty dancing? Can I sit down, please? Yeah. Can I put back on my shirt? No. Why Dirty Dancing? What do we do? Do we watch it? You know the big move at the end of Dirty Dancing where Patrick Swayze picks up Jennifer Grey? Yeah. I can do that. Okay. So I tell girls I can do the move. I put on the song, Time of Your Life. I do the big move. And they always want to have sex with me. Oh, my God. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I agree. But it works every time. That would not work on me. All right. A little bit of recasting, okay, I said, in, in honor of, of all, kind of all of our Hepburn and Tracy references. And, you know, also the idea, that especially the comedy of divorce is a really classic yeah. screwball genre. If, if you were doing this in classical Hollywood, who would you have? So, so, okay, so 40s or 50s is the question. Let's go... Let's go or, like late forties, early fifties. Okay, so you okay. can have you can you can touch on kind of both of those generations. Okay. okay. Um oh, here's a question. Well, uh, that's he's a little bit older at that point. Um I was like, is Steve Carell gonna be Jack Benny? Um <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck for Julianne Moore's character. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Um possibly for Emma Stone. Teresa Wright was the name that I had from Shadow of a Doubt and mm-hmm. Best Years of Our Lives. Yeah. Um, she's a little bit younger. Um, that's the other hard part is when you look at actors of this era, it's like they look older, but they're like 21 or whatever it feels <laughs> like sometimes. I mean, because I, I think I think Lauren Bacall, because I don't think she would work for, for that role. Um let me look at let me look at 1950s. Let's see. Um, or do you go? Do you? Oh, mm, I take back what I said about Teresa Wright. What if it's? Would Judy Garland make sense for that role? For hmm. Emma Stone's role? Yeah, I could see that. I could, She was good. She was a really good comedian. It's probably underrated in that. And she did some. She did a, a really good movie I like called the the Clock. Um, hmm. uh, where it was kind of like a like a before sunset type movie yeah um, and I, I really like her in easter parade even though i don't particularly like care easter for parade. easter parade yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. um i think she's great in that um uh i think it's the clock it's either the clock or the big clock i always get confused there's two movies more titles but different movies um yeah and she's good she's good in meet me in st louis even though I, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't love that one as much either but i think she's great in that okay so we got barbara stanwick for um 
for uh, Julianne Moore uh, and uh, Judy Garland for Emma Stone. I wonder how close their ages are at that point in time. Um, so let's see. Who's Gosling? Who is Gosling in this period of time? Is Paul Newman Gosling? Ooh. Oh, man. Okay. I'm always down for Paul Newman. <laughs> I like Paul Newman. It, he fits kind of the age area of this. Um. Okay, let's yeah, say let's let's, let's say let's say Paul Newman. Um, and now who do we have for Steve Carell? Um, oh, is Paul Newman too old? I, I just realized I, I I messed up here. Let's see, because when's maybe 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 he's too old at this point. Hold on. My my letterbox betrayed me for a second. No, he fits. He's probably in his mid to late twenties. In mid late twenties at this point in time. Um and he let me let me just make sure I can pl- pull a role from him at this point in time. I mean he doesn't start acting till like the till the till late fifties mm-hmm. is the thing. Yeah. Uh, um But you know, in an ideal world. Ideal world, let's just say Barbara Stanwyck. yeah, yeah, we'll just keep going with that. Because Garland was probably a little I mean Garland would have been uh, maybe about the same. yeah she was three years younger than younger than Paul Newman or old, older than Paul Newman so yeah, that that we'll check it out that's fine it's all hypothetical people um yeah. and then for for Steve Carell for Steve Carell that's a great question Brandon um he's not old enough yet I was gonna say Jack Lemon but he's not old enough yet at this point in time um said it a few times is, is spencer tracy too old at this point he'd be like 40s late 40s he'd be spencer, late. spencer tracy got old fast he, he got old he got guys. he got old very fast so we're doing spencer tracy and barbara stanwick i could i mean he would be 50s he would be 50s at this point in time um when is father of the bride that's right at 50 we can do that we could do that. I mean, that's the other question. Do you switch out Garland for Elizabeth Taylor? Oh, I do love Liz Taylor. Because then you wow, have Liz you Taylor, have, Paul Newman. Then you have that re- reunion of Paul Newman and chemistry. I mean, I might, I might swing that. I think I might like All that right. more. So, 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 uh, Stanwick, it might be a little bit later now in years, but Stanwick is more Spencer Tracy as, um, <laughs> as, 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 uh, Cal. Um, uh, Newman is Newman is uh, Jacob and uh, um, Taylor is Emily, uh, or as Perfect. as as Hannah. Um, yeah, I I can't wait to hear Barbara Stanwyck go. I just saw the Twilight movie. It was. It <laughs> I was just saw that new Dracula movie. It was so bad. Yeah, I just so saw. Bad. I just saw the new Dracula movie. <laughs> or just like, or I saw. Yeah, I just saw a new Frankenstein. Boris Karloff was so bad in that movie what's the line too i love leslie mann and got a line in this is 40 when, oh and she uh, said something like that too paul, I paul rudd's like i just went to go see the new like spider-man movie and she's like i like spider-man <laughs> <laughs> all right that's a decent cast. all right final questions other final questions yeah, uh, yeah. what other genres does this fit in other than rom-com <sighs> family it'd be like a i don't say family drama but kind of it's not I mean family dramedy maybe you could say mm-hmm. um, i mean it's it, it, it's you know buddy comedy with with gosling and and Carell. 
Yeah, I think knowing that the Fogelman had kind of a background of like trying to write network comedies and knowing mm-hmm. that he ultimately went into kind of network drama, mm-hmm. it does kind of have that feel of a TV show of like here there's here's this family and here's mm-hmm. everybody's kind of plot lines and then all by the end of the episode all the plot lines are going to come together again. Yes. Yeah, it's a, that you're right. That's a very TV show mentality of like here's plot A, here's plot B, here's probably plot C. Uh, and let's see how they can inter- interweave them all and, and bring mm-hmm. them to a, a conclusion. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That does that does make sense of him being a TV writer. Yeah, because that's very much that's Seinfeld. It's yeah. like here are all these characters and their other other storylines, but then by the end of it, they somehow like, hey Jerry, I found this, and like, yeah. oh wow, that was, wasn't even part of the whole storyline. Um, <laughs> but we're here. Um, yeah, okay, I can see that. Nice. And then as far as uh, rom-coms, where does this fit in with what we've been talking about this I mean, month? I said it has a lot. It has. It, it doesn't shy away from being a rom-com. It it, it has the, you could have the womanizer character of a rom-com. You can have the best friend character of a rom-com with Liz. Um, you can have the comedy of remarriage as part of the rom-com. The, the, even the young love of a rom-com. I think we, there's always a period in rom-coms when they start getting big. You see this kind of like, oh, let's do a teenage version of that. And here it goes a little bit younger and a little bit more odd, um, <laughs> but it's still kind of there. And yeah, I think if you're talking about of the different eras of rom-com, I think this is probably probably one of the top, if not the top of this specific era of rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Um, 2010s it's it's a again it's a very we early 2010s is a very weird year for filmmaking because while studios are putting more money into franchise films marvel hasn't fully taken off yet it's it's right. getting there avengers isn't until 2012 so it, so superhero films and those type films don't have as strong as a foothold get in in hollywood so Mm -hmm. you're still relying on movie stars and so we're seeing kind of the last gasp of of this kind of period of rom-coms and so because it's it's not going as fully big as love actually or those other gary mark those gary marshall movies it's doing a little more like kind of stripped down version with here's three or four characters with a couple side characters and here's how it all kind of connect together um, right. but I think it, it, it combines a lot of the tropes we talked about, as I said, um, big final speech from Steve Carell about love. It's always a big key. Um, and at the end it ends happy and you, and you, you have a sense by the end that the, the main people will stay together. I think mm-hmm. with the older couples, I think, I think Gosling and Stone will have a very, they'll get married at some point and, and, Carell and Gosling will probably be part of a poker game together at some point, <laughs> uh, is what I feel like. So yeah. What about you? Anything you want to add on that? No, I think so. Yeah, I think we've we've kind of hit on everything this episode. But yeah, it kind of it's it's everything I think you could want from a rom com in that era, and that it plays the hits, but it also tries to not only modernize them, but but not never fall. It it can play the tropes without playing the cliches. If that yes, makes sense. Yes. Like it gives yes. you everything you want with a rom-com, but mm-hmm. still is very devoted to surprising you. Yes. I agree with that. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, all right. That is it 
on Crazy Stupid Love, streaming now on HBO Max. It wasn't how many days ago when we recorded when here <laughs> Miss Sally, but you can stream it there. Um, and that's all we have. If you, I know coming up soon, we'll have our Patreon on the supporting at or supporting players of Rom Com Hall of Fame or Rom Com Supporting Players Hall of Fame. Um, Tom, so I'll be doing that soon. So stay tuned mm-hmm. for that if you're not part of Patreon. Uh, please subscribe if you can. One dollar, five dollar, ten dollar. It's a beautiful thing. Helps us out. Helps continue the show. So please do that if you can. Um, and if you have any questions for us, uh, comments about the show, or just you want to reach out to us and talk movies, feel free to contact us at cinnationpodcast at gmail.com. Questions, comments, everything. We love it. Um, and if you're a new listener of the show, or if you're a fan of the show, and for some reason, for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to subscribe to the Cinnation Podcast to stay up to date on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Guys, if you love someone, you have to tell them. And if you love a podcast, you have to tell everyone else that you love that podcast. Yeah. Now, if you think it's crazy, you still got to do it. Because yeah. love does, love does, love makes us do crazy things. And mm-hmm. crazy things are writing reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you write your podcast. Um, but we love it. If they are crazy and stupid. Um, that's enough of that. Um, and finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Letterboxd, all that jazz. Um, Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.